There we go. All right, let me do a rolling, uh, soft rolling start here. Hello and welcome to the Swing Smarter Hitting Training Podcast. This is your host, Joey Myers from HittingPerformanceLab.com. And I have the honor and pleasure to have two gents on. Uh, Walter, I just met right now, but I feel like I've known him forever. And Brian, so for Brian Eisenberg, and, and I'll do a little short intro, but I first wanted to welcome you guys to the show. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here today. Very excited. Very ex this is my first Zoom in over six weeks, so I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> I'm back. Very, very cool. Very cool. Well, let me, I know we got a lot to talk about. There's a ton and I don't want to spend too much time on the intros, but I do want to intro Brian first, Brian Eisenberg. He has been a mentor to me. He's a marketing expert. Um, he, I think he told me at some point that he gets paid at least five figures to go give like a 30 minute speech in other countries and stuff on marketing, things like that. He's the one that helped me with my books, especially my catapult loading system book that became a national or a uh, Amazon bestseller in the baseball coaching niche in, I think it was 2018. Um, and Brian is on this call as you'll soon know we're talking about recruiting we're talking about getting committed getting your kids committed boys girls um but brian has a son sammy who is what is he junior junior junior, junior yep. this year and uh brian and i've been friends for for quite a while and we've talked and shared advice and stories and stuff on on helping sammy out and all that kind of stuff so brian that's brian's background he's got a, a lot to say on this topic of committed and then walter bead so i just Met him through Brian and Walter and Brian have uh, banded together for a book on Amazon, which the title is Committed. And Brian will probably put that up there on the screen for those that are watching on YouTube. The Guide to Developing College-Ready Recruits from Middle School through High School. Um, and Walter has coached been a parent have has done the whole baseball scene for like 40 years he played some professional baseball um so he is a huge he has a lot of knowledge on this subject of getting helping uh build your son or daughter's resume to to get them committed so um did i do you guys just did did i leave anything out brian walter well, I think, you know, we'll touch a little bit on Walter. Walter, Walter really is the, the, you know, there's a reason he calls himself the baseball lifer. Mm -hmm. um, he lives and breathes baseball and helping kids, um, you know, apart from his two sons that play college ball and, and Tyler, who, you know, is with the San Francisco Giants now as a, as a pitcher recovering from, uh, from surgery. Mm -hmm. um, he has helped kids, hundreds of kids over the last 25 plus years uh, you know, go through the process and, and, and literally starting from middle school through high school and, and really helping them get an understanding of what it takes to be a college athlete, both from obviously the physical side, the mental side, the skill side, and then obviously navigating the whole re recruiting process, which is a whole, whole different <laughs> story, because obviously you're dealing with bureaucracy there in many ways. So mm -hmm. um, I, I'm just happy to have Walter here so we could tap into his wealth of knowledge. Both, both you and I as dads, because uh, as you were telling me earlier, you know, he's coaching his son now, who's who's nine. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he's about to experience a lot of the interesting pitfalls that we all do. Mm -hmm. Right. W right, Walter. I mean, you, you know, you even shared one last night, like the lesson you learned. Right. I mean, the biggest thing is, is uh, I've been involved in every aspect and dynamic of baseball from youth level. Uh, high school co-head coach, uh, American Legion head coach, national travel ball head coach, uh, Team USA, uh, college head coach. Uh, my son has been a first round draft pick twice. Uh, you know, only young man from New England that's ever been a two time first round draft pick. Uh, 
So I've been through the recruiting process as a student athlete. I've been through the recruiting process as a college coach. And I've been through the recruiting process as a dad. Um, and I've seen it at its absolute zenith, at its, at its highest point uh, and most aggressive point. So what that allowed me to do was just kind of, you know, kind of learn uh, and then be able to share those experiences uh, here through the, with the book, as well as over the last 30, 35 years. I love that. And, and I know Brian mentioned some pitfalls. So Walter, what, what would you say, like maybe the top two, three pitfalls that parents fall into when, I mean, you're talking as early as seventh, eighth grade, right? So maybe, maybe some of those earlier ones, and then maybe some of those later ones, high schools are going into college or professional ball. Well, I think it starts as early as 10 years old and maybe a little younger. And when you start talking about pitfalls, um, the game has become so homogenized and so organized uh, that a lot of parents assume they're a lesson away or a gadget away from, mm. you know, being that. Uh, and so the game of baseball is rooted. It will always be rooted in failure. And so one of the things that I learned uh, as a young player myself that my dad used to reiterate was everybody falls. Everybody doesn't get back up. The key is getting back up mm. physically and mentally, meaning, you know, you have an 0 for 4 day, you make an error with the bases loaded. You have to get back on that horse. You got to get back up, you know, and that's one of the pitfalls uh, that a lot of parents fall into at early ages is that the game is easy. The game is going to right itself. That's not necessarily true because at younger ages, you know, the physical discrepancies, uh, the ability levels, uh, the maturity levels, they're all going to vary uh, from the ages of, say, nine years old or Little League through 18. And there's an evening out of the skill sets and in, in physicality, probably at about 16 or 17, with things trying to start to level off a little bit. So I think that's topic number one. Topic number two is rather than getting peer repetitions, i.e. pickup games, sandlot games, uh, things of that nature, where you're learning from your peers, we're now trying to take adults and work with younger, you know, say elementary school through middle school student athletes that lack the physical maturation to move that we're asking them to move. And so at its simplest form, baseball is about two things. One, playing catch being able to catch a ball throw a ball as simplistic as that sounds we we try to overcomplicate that you know with pitching lessons fielding lessons play catch mm -hmm. i mean when i talk to groups and i and i talk to organizations all over the country i tell coaches if your team can play catch and, pl and not fetch in other words, if your team is actively playing catch, and I usually set up a large rectangle with like eight to 10 players, and we just, the ball moves around, you blow a whistle, you switch it, you're turning around, and they're having fun, and they don't even realize all they're learning how to do is throw it accurately, catch it, and then get rid of the ball. And then the other thing is, with regard to hitting, we make it so complicated too early, meaning at younger ages, give them bigger bats, lighter bats, bigger barrels, and let them find the barrel with the baseball. Meaning the more contact a student athlete makes at younger ages, the more excited they're going to become. And they begin to figure out pretty quickly, okay, this is, this is something I can do. 
And then you allow them to just simply physically mature into their swings. So from say nine to say 13, the field doesn't change too much. At 13, you know, 14, the big diamond hits. Mm -hmm. So I tell parents all the time at the younger ages, it should be about fun. It should be about developing a passion and simply allowing them to fall, get back up, learn, fall, get back up, learn. Um, And there's a lot of mental components to this. And so, you know, those are the two biggest pitfalls uh, of the younger student athletes and parents. Mm -hmm. I love that. And especially, I love all three of them, but especially that middle one that played catch, because I had done them about three years after I was done playing ball at Fresno state, I sat down for an interview at a Chinese buffet lunch with my old coach at Fresno state uh, coach, Bob Bennett, who got inducted into the NCAA baseball coaches hall of fame, I think in 2013. And I asked him and he was probably late seventies, early eighties at the time. And I asked him the question. I said, if, if I had a little league team, and I think at the time I didn't have kids yet, but if I had a little league team and I asked you to come and help us out, what would be the, the number one thing that you would, that we'd work on. And he said, play catch. Uh, so even him who had played or he had coached at Fresno state for 34 years and had a pretty, pretty good career. Even, even he had the same. So that's the same thing that we take in Brian, any, anything you got to add on, on what well, Walter said? You know, I, I spent a lot of time watching uh, high school games over the last few years. And, 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 you know, Sammy's also taken up to umpiring when, when he has free time. Mm. And I could almost like, if I was a gambling man, I could bet on a winner of the game by watching how the team warms up playing catch <laughs> one versus the other. The, the ones who know how to do it, you see the kids moving their body, moving their feet, getting, getting the ball centered, getting the ball out. Those are usually the ones that tend to feel better, hit better. They're just better coached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And Walter, so pitfalls for, so the, you, you kind of covered the nine to 13 age range. How about 14 to 18 for high school? I think at the 14 to 18, what I call is that middle school and high school, we are so consumed with the player to our left, the player to our right, instead of focusing in on our, our abilities and our inabilities. And so it's, the game is going to change a, the field changes at these levels. Mm-hmm. And, at that age, you know, when you're looking at a physically mature 17 or 18 year old, and here I am a freshman at say 14 or 15 years old, you know, you're not going to have that strength component quite, you know, it's not going to be in your mix, so to speak, at that age. And the ones that do have the physical maturity early, obviously get an opportunity to play. But I would say worrying too much about who's playing where, what position they're playing, how good they are, how good they're not instead of being self-aware and present in your now, meaning let's take care of today. Let's not worry about what it's going to look like in six months or a year or three years. Let's worry about where our skill sets are today. And if we get an honest assessment of not only the good things that we do, but the inefficient uh, things that we're doing and kind of taking the weaknesses and working them, we tend to want to focus more on what we do well, meaning if I throw the ball really well, I'm going to throw it hard and I'm just going to throw, I'm going to focus on that. So we don't have a position awareness, like where does my skill set work on the ball field? Two, as a hitter, where am I? I mean, I can throw really well, but I don't really like pitching, uh, but I have a strong arm, uh, but I don't spend any time on my hitting. So I neglect a lot of areas. 
And so if you focus on your now and your current abilities and inabilities, and you try to take an idea mentally and maybe start a journal, I used, my sons used to have a journal and I say, okay, let's just write down what happened today. You know, let's write down whatever we did today. Uh, what did we like? What did we not like? What did we do? Well, what didn't we do well? Uh, and just write it down and then we'll revisit you know, on a, on a regular basis until we kind of catch everything and blend everything up so that many of our abilities are starting to kind of balance themselves out. Um, and I don't think in a cage or in a lesson environment is a good way to necessarily think of it as an autocorrect because student athletes, uh, if they take a strength and conditioning component to their workouts and they get repetition repetitions can come in so many ways for instance father son playing catch ball you know bouncing a ball off a wall whether it's a lacrosse ball a tennis ball a softball a baseball what have you that's going to give you good ground ball repetitions picking up a bat and or a broomstick in my case it used to be a broomstick hitting rocks hitting acorns hitting plastic uh, golf balls small plastic golf balls getting repetition because through repetition we're going to gain our retention not somebody else's version or thoughts of who we are meaning everybody's arms are different everybody's hand strength is different but repetitions with a a broomstick allow multiple reps in the same manner every single time rather than a heavy bat that's going to kind of get heavy and you're going to change your, your your swing path pretty quickly because of fatigue you know playing catch with a football playing catch with a softball um all my younger high school student level student athletes, I put a football in their hands at 13. And parents are always saying, are we here for baseball or football? <laughs> I said, always tell them when I was a kid, throwing a football did two things, clean arm path, efficient arm path and arm health. Mm -hmm. Because the feedback that that football gives you is instant. I don't have to wonder, did I, was a middle finger dominant. So some of these pitfalls that we fall into is thinking we're going to go into a cage for 30 minutes, or 60 minutes, we're going to get a lesson and then we're going to bounce out of that cage and we're going to be fixed. Well, you didn't get a lot of reps. There was a lot of talking. You might've got, you know, a few reps in, but we're not getting any retention. So that's the biggest pitfall as far as I'm concerned is the reliance on individual lessons, as opposed to going out and getting those valuable repetitions in your backyard, at the school, wherever, where your body's going to implement into what you are capable of doing. And I think that's going to bring, that brings a bigger benefit long-term. Uh, yeah, I love that, Walter. And, and it's funny you mentioned too, the comparison side of things, when you start getting into those teenage years uh, through high school, they start comparing each other and it's really not a, a healthy environment. I'm starting to notice it with my nine-year-old. We do a lot of parkour and Ninja Warrior stuff. So we do a one-on-one -on -one with the coach for a half hour, works on backflips, front flip stuff. It's kind of cool stuff that I never got to do. And then there's a group setting where he works with kids that maybe are a year older than him, two years older than him. And they're doing some crazy stuff that he can't do yet but he's trying to work on it. Brian and I, we were on before Walter, you got on and we were talking about Sammy and how he was training with college professional guys. So uh, Brian, talk a little bit about how that benefited Sammy to actually be in an environment with older, better, stronger players. Yeah. And we even, we even talk about it in the book and, and, and you know, Walter shared the story of like, you know, when he was a college coach, he'd bring his kids 
um, and they've watched and, and even participate in some of his practices, mm-hmm. right? And of course, not everybody has a dad who's a college coach, so you can't get away <laughs> with that. But but the elements of that is missing. And, and what what happened with Sammy is, you know, he was working out a true grind. He was, um, you know, like 12 years old. And it's, it's, it's summertime. He wasn't playing summer ball. We only played spring and fall here in Texas. Mm-hmm. And he just spent the time training. And the kids forced him to kind of grow up, to become more accountable, to, to start saying, look, if you're going to hang with us, you better hang with us. You, you better bring, bring your own things. And it also taught him things like, and, and, and what you almost touched on it, which is the stuff that we hate to do, it's usually because we suck at it, right? And we don't want to spend the time doing it. We love hitting off the tee because we can, we can hit it hard every single time, right? But, you know, hitting off live pitching, oh, that's, that's not hard. I don't want to necessarily do that as much. Um, and, and it's funny because one of the things that, that you didn't mention, Walter, is uh, wiffle ball, which is one of my favorite yeah. things. And, you know, today Sammy's, you know, junior high school and he's uh, in an advertising class. Mm. And they asked him to do an assignment on a toy that he played growing up with that's not as popular as it should be. And he picked a wiffle ball and bat, mm-hmm. right? And it's in exactly that. It's like, you can play that anywhere. And the amount of reps that you can get, understanding ball movement, understanding just, it's it's priceless. Mm-hmm. And the biggest takeaway, and, and I think, you know, as Walter and I were wrapping up the book, we came back and added a, uh, like a paragraph or two. Because mm-hmm. we talked about it in the book, but we didn't drill it home. That the most valuable thing of youth sports is not the sport itself. Mm. It's the relationships that we get to spend with our kids. It's the relationships that we get to form with the families of the sports that they're participating in. Mm-hmm. The time spent in the car together, the, the, just the memories that we're creating. And, and parents are trading that and their dollars for a lot of chaos today mm-hmm. that just spend the time with your kid, like just enjoy it. And they'll find a way to, to, to get there no matter what. Everybody's going to have a unique path. Right. And it's going to be over with at some point, right? Walter, were like you going to add something? Like that. My big thing there, touching on that point, never forget my son's last college game. They won a college world series. It was a great moment, but all of a sudden, you know, everything's winding down. And I suddenly realize that that journey had come to a conclusion yeah that was the end of my little boy transitioning mm-hmm. to his profession his vocation mm-hmm. um and really a flood of memories come back mm-hmm. literally to travel baseball high school baseball and the the i can tell you so many stories about us driving in a toyota prius from Boston to Atlanta, Georgia, with no air conditioner, you know, and <laughs> we look back and, and, and laugh at that now, but it, it's really one of those things that it's all about moments and memories because mm-hmm. 99% of every young little league aged player is never going to play at the professional level. Mm-hmm. I would tell parents all the time, look around. Because this is when you're at your pinnacle, the nine to say 12 or 13 year old, it's the little boys playing a game. Mm. When you get to high school, you want to talk about cutthroat parents are like, well, my buddy, my son's better than that boy. And this boy's better. And it gets really loud. Mm. And it kind of takes away from, listen, life 
there's, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. It's tough. We can't always do what we want. We can't always be where we want. But it's, it's, it's a part of how the ebb and the flow of life really works, the ups and the downs. Sometimes we get, you know, success. Sometimes we have failure. Um, baseball, at its, it's, the most, it's supposed to be a, a pastoral game where there's a cerebral component to it, but it's, it's meant to be an athletic sporting event. We have now made it a mega, mega business, and parents know that if I pay more for Johnny to get to this team or that instructor, what have you, they think you're getting an edge. In reality, you're spinning wheels because if you're consumed with the destination and you're not enjoying the journey, you're missing the whole point. It's all about the journey and very little to do with the destination. You cannot control where the final destination will take you. You may think I'm gonna, he's going to play in college or he's going to play pro ball. But when we look back at the numbers that are, that are really kind of concrete, this X number of seats available at the collegiate level, there's X number of seats that are available at the professional level. So we go from 3 million little league age student athletes to 500,000 high school athletes to 35,000 college athletes at all levels, NAIA, JUCO, NCAA to less than 3,000 professional players now in light of minor league baseball contraction and 750 major leaguers. And oh, by the way, half the major leaguers are from Latin American countries. So if you really <laughs> get down to it, there's 400 spots in the big leagues for kids from the United States. So don't worry about the destination. That's going to take care of itself. Focus on the journey. Make sure you're, you're allowing the natural progressions of physical maturation, mental maturation, let them all develop with enthusiasm and passion, with an understanding, I'm gonna fail. It's part of who, who this whole, the, the part of the sport. And I'm gonna do everything in my power to dust myself off, get back up and keep moving forward. If we look at it from that perspective, it makes the game a lot more enjoyable. Great advice, Walter, great advice. And I, I know uh, we could talk for an hour, two hours on this. And, and I wanted to, uh, before we, we got done, I wanted to talk about the book Committed, as the title says, and it's more probably of a metaphor. It's not per se to committed high school to college, right? But I do want to talk about that aspect of it. So Brian, what are you and Sammy doing to, um, I know Sammy committed, just committed to, and talk a little bit about that and what you not, guys did. Not officially, but yes. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's poorly, wait, he's right, waiting poorly. for the rest of his friends who are 2022s to, to announce, and then he'll, he'll, he'll make the announcement. Right. The, the, the point is real simple. As Walter said, you know, this is the book I wish I had as a non-baseball guy when Sammy was 11 and 12. Mm. I came across folks like you and Lance Wheeler and a whole bunch of people who helped guide me and mentor me and and give me some advice, but I spent countless numbers of hours, countless numbers of dollars, made mistakes, you know, did some benefits. And at the end of it, yes, you know, we kept it real. You know, he's got a dream. He's got a passion. I did everything I could to support his dream. Mm. Um, and he's going to continue playing in college. Phenomenal, right? Mm. Mostly because he committed to his physical well-being. We stumbled mm. because we were invited to Lance Wheeler's Palooza. Uh, and he sat down and listened to Mike Reinald to actually tell the book, the story in the book. And he listened to Mike Reinald talk about how you gain velocity by every inch you grow. And 
every year you get older. And, and then by getting to the weight room, you, you gain a certain amount. And he started doing the math. He's like, well, I could be 75 by like the time I'm like 13 or something. Like that. I, don't, I don't remember the, the, the exact numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's when he said, okay, you know, I want, I want to start working out. And we met the owner of True Grind Systems that was 10 minutes from our house in Nashville mm-hmm. that day. And he committed to, to, to getting stronger, to learning to, to be a better athlete, to learning how to move. It wasn't about the heavy weights. I mean, th- those came later on. Mm-hmm. But Sammy was not the most athletic kid. You know, he's you know, not the fastest runner. Never, never has, never will be. You know, he's 6'4", 240 now. But he's definitely one of the strongest. Mm-hmm. And he's consistent in the way he moves. And so he throws a lot of strikes. And he does crazy things. And He's, you know, he's invested in social media, right? He, I, I, part of the part of the process was learning to uh, about podcasting. Yep. And it's the same thing as baseball. You're going to suck at first. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But as you keep doing it, you get better and better and better. It's a journey. And when you learn to appreciate those journeys, when you when you commit to that journey, no matter what it is, you gain so much out of life and out of business and and out of school. And so I think there's there's lots of lessons to to be learned. Um, you'll, you'll be, you won't be surprised to know that obviously we talk a little bit about fascia and ground forces in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, most baseball coaching books never even touch on the topic. Right. Right. We talk about shoes and, and what kind of shoes like kids should wear and just be aware of, because there's lots of little things that, that we don't know, but we also talk about every single skill set and what it matters. And, and, and to Walter's point, Walter always tells people use baseball to pay for your education. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I use the term and I've used like 40 years where I tell parents the whole objective here is to trade athletic ability for academic excellence. Hmm. If you have that philosophy early and you understand that the end is probably going to occur at the high school level, but it probably is going to happen definitively at the college level. Just trade athletic ability for academic excellence. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And and I, as Brian knows, that it's been a move better, perform better thing for me, right? I, I'm a, I've been training people since 2000, since I finished uh, college, I think 2004 or yep. five is when I, I love fitness. And then I learned that I could actually get paid to train people and stuff. And so my journey started then. And that journey didn't just go into the strength conditioning side of things, which is fun. Building muscle like Brian, you're talking yep. about but it's also getting people to move better. So I took on certifications in yoga and I took on certifications in the functional muscle screen and then looked into, like you mentioned, fascia and mobility, stability, all these. And having your kid do parkour, yeah, you know, gymnastics, parkour, martial arts. Yeah. At at those youth ages, you're preparing them to be amazing movers, understanding their core, how to balance that, where they're going to go from there you've now set them up on a course of, 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 of greatness because of that. Right. Parents asked, like Walter was talking about having playing, you know, is it about reps and games and playing as many games as possible? I'd, I'd heard one of the trainers that trained me in college, strength conditioning trainer, great guy, but he was boasting one day about how his, I think at the time, 12 year old son was going to play more games in a year than a major league season. And I was like, what, what, what are we doing here? And so people, yeah, what are we doing here? And, and so parents will ask me, well, what can we do with my son? And they could be 10, 11, 12, they could be in their teens. What can we do to better our ball exit speed or our pitching velocity or our movement? And I always tell them what you just said, parkour, ninja warrior, martial arts, uh, even yoga, Pilates, yes. it, just traditional yes. stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
any of those would, would make them a better athlete. Right. Right. So Walter, let's, yes, let's, let's in on this one. So what were the two, so you uh, maybe adding piggy, piggybacking on what you just said, what were the two big things you feel got your sons into the, the college, into the pro side, pro side of things in high school? What were the, what were the one or two big things on the recruiting side? Can, that I, you did? can I refine that question a little bit? Go for it. Walter, what's the difference of success levels between your son who just played through college and the one who went pro in the, in the way you treated them and, and brought them up? Good. Okay. I would say the first lesson that I learned is if we have to push, then we're probably not going to get the results that we're hoping, mm. you know, mental standpoint, meaning if your son is pulling you instead of you pushing your son, mm. much more advantageous, uh, you know, position to be in, especially for the student athlete. Mm. Uh, I think it's about structure, routine and accountability, meaning my oldest son, um, you know, was really scattered, you know, um, not so much from, as a multi-sport athlete, but just you know, really didn't have that defined schedule of, okay, I'm going to lift here, work out here. I'm going to do this routine here with regard to throwing or hitting or what have you. Whereas my, my, my youngest son was, was driven. And a lot of that had to do with him being around the college routine and kind of watching how student athletes conducted themselves in a non-team environment, meaning off to the sidelines, you know, how they were up etc so i would say the the red line in the sand i guess you know between the, the the young man that ultimately gets to the college level and the young man that kind of gives up the game at the high school level truly is about the passion component um my oldest son loves the game but wasn't passionate about the game uh, I, my youngest son was driven and he had a internal passion a true affinity for the sport and the craft as a baseball player meaning um you know the attention to the smaller details um and he got his repetitions and so you know i try to tell parents the separator where the rubber hits the road is 16 years old hmm. sophomore because at that point the light either comes on where I want to push and, and put my foot on the gas or, you know what? I really like hanging with my buddies and girls and, and mm. other social activities. And this really isn't something I want to do on a, on a competitive level beyond high school. Uh, so really it's 16 years of age. So I'd call it the push pull. If mm. you're pull, if you're pushing and they're not pulling where you're not going to get the effect, you know, long-term as a student athlete. That is, that is great advice and advice I've heard kind of little bits along the way, the push versus the pull and parents out there listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you have to really think about what, whatever age your kid is, male or female, if you're getting a, a more of your pushing or you're getting more of a pull. And it's not that one's worse than the other. It's just that you have to change your mindset in a way to deal with that. So you can't keep pushing because it's going to be you doing all the work. So, Hey, I want to be, uh, I want to be respectful of you guys' time. I, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, go ahead and give the, give the audience a little bit on where to find the book, where they can purchase it, all that good stuff, where to find you guys, maybe on social media as it pertains to committed. 
Sure. Um, so obviously, you know, you can pick up the book in paperback or in Kindle. It's only on Amazon. Uh, it's, oh, you, oh, Walter's got, got his coffee. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got, you got muted. I'm going to be signing a few of these for oh, cool. my best friend's mom. So we're going to get a couple of these uh, signed and in the hands of some student athletes. Is there, is there a way to maybe get some of the audience to maybe like a URL, maybe Brian or some could, maybe there's a limited amount you guys can do or you could sign some for some people or. Yeah. We're, so we're, we're going to be getting together for, cause we haven't met in person yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, funny story. We, we actually wrote this book uh, in the course of about five weeks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been talking for a few months, but in five weeks we decided we need to get the book out before the holiday season. Right. Um, but in, uh, uh, in December, Walter's coming down to Texas to, to, to visit his son and, uh, we'll get together and sign some copies and, uh, yeah, maybe maybe we could do something for for your audience. We can get yeah. Let me know. Let me know. We'll put a link up or something. We'll do some sort of promotion style. I'm sure people would love that. Yeah, and then they can find us on 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 Twitter at Mentors of Baseball. That's the easy one. You'll find you'll find both of us at Baseball Mentors at mm -hmm. Baseball Mentors. Okay. Um, we do a live call every Monday night. We, we bring guests in um, and and talk about the process as well. And then um, the site I built originally for Sammy because it's it's about that. Is like you know. If you're committed to play ball kid, we want, we want to help you. So, so go to playballkid.com mm -hmm. and, uh, and you can find us there as well. And he's got a lot of great podcast episodes, a lot of great coaches, players. And, and, and great guests. Let's, let's not forget. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Walter, anything you want to add on that? No, I'm, I'm happy to sign books for, for anyone that uh, may find their way to the book. And I appreciate you taking the time to give us the, the opportunity to talk here today. For sure. Well, thank you guys. Stay on the call here as we uh, shut down the, the recording, but I want, just want to say, just thank you so much. And this was kind of happenstance. Brian sent out the text. And I was like, Oh my gosh, we got to have you guys on. We got to check the, cause this is a big thing that I talked to my local hitters about that are getting of age. And, and now I'm going to think about it even more for the junior hires, like getting even earlier than that to get them, to get them going in the system. So thank you guys again for taking the time and uh, you guys have a good rest of the week. Absolutely. Appreciate Thanks so much, Joey.